A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. If you're interested in becoming a manager, why not speak to my Neil? He can tell you all you need to know about becoming a manager, as he is a manager. He can advise you on management overalls, management willies, and the right management hand scrub to use to get the pig shit out from (laughs) under your fingernails. Because he's a manager. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that has centered an average in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the jolly tale of pastoral life that is Royful Brown. And with my other class war melodrama, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of this depressing week, folks, in Ambridge, is you. I got that slightly arse about tit, but it just about <laughs> made sense. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week's Dumby Dum is from the incomparable Matt Stone, the man with the sax. He's just bloody awesome. I just It's the sound of summer, that, isn't it, Lucy? Is he, is he now our official... Is that, is that like our theme tune now? Well, if these lazy asses that listen to this show yeah. can't be, sorry, fucked to send in a Dumby Dum, yeah. So there you go, folks. <laughs> there's, there's a prod up your backside. Blimey. Hardball, two minutes in. <laughs> well, remember... We did say at the start of the summer with the onset of the BBC's Archers podcast. I wonder where they got the idea of that, you know, to do yeah. a podcast discussing the Archers. Anyway, and also, but, where is it? Well, there's there's a thing. There's a thing, Arlo's. But I said that, you know, it's going to push us to the fringes, wasn't it? We're going to come at a little bit Well, if it's on BBC striving. Sounds, no one will be able to get it, hear it or download it anyway. So it's <laughs> Harsh but true. Harsh but true. So there you go, folks. Um, Okay, let me let me wind things back slightly. Uh, I didn't use the F bomb. Right. But if Lucy, if somebody would like to send us in a dum-de-dum to replace Matthew Stone and his wonderful bossa nova ditty, how can they do that? 
Um, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Um, Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for the Lone Back Bedroom. Um, although Derek is proud to be pro-Brexit, he is a little bit worried about possible uh, shortages, so he's stocking up on essentials. So now you cannot get a man-sized box of Kleenex <laughs> and a pack of Vaseline for love nor money in Borchester. <laughs> You are naughty, you know. You are proper naughty. On this week's episode, we hear views from Andrew, Kitty, Witherspoon, Dan, Miss Mid-City. She's back. Yay! And Claire. Blast from the past. Well done, Mid-Miss-City. I've said it again. I said Mid-Miss-City, didn't I? <laughs> Miss Mid-City. Good heavens. Oh, the old slips are the best. Uh, but first, before all of that, sit back. Relax, folks. It's our Juicy Loose and a week in Ambridge. <clears throat> I would like to preface this week's monologue <laughs> with a quote from the late and utterly brilliant Victoria Wood, who said, I don't watch EastEnders. I prefer something lighter and frothier like the world at war. I know how she feels. <laughs> well... We began and ended the week with Ed and Emma who lost the house. And along with the historic child sex abuse storyline, that's it. The end. No. I'll try and haul something out of the unremitting gloom fest that was this week in Ambridge. Let's concentrate on what the collapse of beech nuts has done for the rest of the village. <laughs> First of all, Brian. Ed's unavailability meant that Brian was dredged up out of retirement in order to career around the village in a tractor, which quite put a string spring back in his step. He immediately rang Debbie. Hello, Adam, could you hear me? Called a pointless family meeting, <laughs> shouted at a load of beaters, knocked back a glass of scotch and shagged Mandy Beesborough in a loose box. Hurrah! Um, Neil had a good time too, as this latest disaster allowed him to fulfil his position as nicest man in the whole village. He rang the bank, begged money off his friends and raised £3.95, which Emma told him to shove up his bum, at which he said, now look here, young lady, which is the equivalent of a punch <laughs> up the bracket from Neil. Auntie Tracy took a profoundly horrible approach, offered to key people's cars and immediately held up the shop at gunpoint. Susan offered her the contents of the shop safe or the equivalent in goods, which in the shop's case is one pot of Bridge Farm organic yogurt. Mm. Kate took advantage <laughs> of the fact that everyone's attention was focused on the Grundy crisis to accelerate her bid to become Jacob's, I'm sorry, to become Jacob's very own cream cracker. Having wrestled Hilda <laughs> to the ground, he marched her off to the vet so Jacob could inspect one of Hilda's old scars, which he got when she took on Otto the Bull and Fat Paul in a punch up outside Jack's over a misplaced Eccles cake. Everyone <laughs> in the village took their own minds off the Grundy crisis by chuntering on about Peggy Woolley's truss. I'm not sure. An elderly lady's appliance should be so widely discussed, but then I suppose she is family. <laughs> Phoebe said she couldn't wait to get her hands on Peggy's truss and is working with Rex, whose job description is now of a length to equal Alice's in order to get her mitts on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. Their idea is rewilding. Yes. Interesting. I am following this policy in my own garden. Well, I didn't know I was until I realized that by entirely failing to deadhead or weed, I was rewilding rather than just being an incompetent gardener. But hey-ho, if it means I'm in line for half a million, I'm all for it. Uh, thankfully, though, 
the rest of the listening audience was gripped, immersed, and thoroughly engaged in the village fate. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Don't be negative. I don't even know where to start with this latest bit of lunacy. An app for the village fate. Have the scriptwriters ever used an app? A mobile phone. The internet. You can't just knock one up. (laughs) We didn't really swallow the Bridge Fresh app for all your leak needs being produced in 10 days, but this is just utter nonsense. See also the VR experience, although I can see the point of that, as it does mean you wouldn't have to go to the damn fate at all. And as for a souffle competition, are they planning on putting the bake-off tent in the middle of the green with six ovens? Because basically, you take a souffle out of the oven, turn around to shout, it's ready, turn back, and it's a funny coloured omelette that everyone refuses to eat. They don't hang around to be measured souffles, they just collapse like a Grundy's housing plans. Over at Bridge Farm... Tony, uh, over at Bridge Farm, Tom made one of his carefully thought out, deliberated and costed out business decisions. Tom's business plans can be visualized very simply as a pinball machine, pinging from obstacle to (laughs) obstacle. Did no one tell him at his stupid business course thingy that the quality of a decision is not based on how quickly it's made? Thank God he wasn't at Rosie's party because by the time he got home, Bridge Farm would have had a new range of unicorn jam. Pip! (laughs) The world's most immature 26-year-old had a proper sulk because her mum got Johnny a book. God, it's so boring, she said, pulling her Parker hood up. Books! Then she went off to play in the ball pool. And yes, scriptwriters, the irony was not lost on us that while Ed and Emma were debasing themselves by pleading for loans from their neighbours to be able to buy a home, a one-year-old had her birthday celebrated in lavish style courtesy of inherited wealth of staggering proportions. A one-year-old gets a unicorn and a working family are refused a home. So there we are. As one door closes, another one hits you up the arse. Or as Emma would probably put it, itch you up the arse, falls off its hinges and bashes you over the head because nice things don't happen for the likes of us, Ed, you cretin. The end. <laughs> well, Lucy. Mm. So how did you feel about last week in Ambridge? Oh, God. Well, I'd been away. I hadn't, I hadn't heard it for a while because of various things getting in the way. Uh, mm. Nice things, but things. Um, and so I had to listen to, I think I listened to three omnibuses, omnibi, omnibus, mm. back to back. Mm-hmm. And I felt like leaping off the nearest high building by the end of it. Mm. It was, oh, but the acting was outstanding. Ed and Emma, I could hardly breathe with Emma when she was running around the village and people would say, oh, hello. And she'd say, um, I can't stop. I've got to just, can I have a word? You know, and you could hear the change in her breathing. And then Ed's having sort of a panic attack on the, um, on the village green and Brian coming to sit with him and everything. Mm. You know, it's Loose. just it, absolutely Loose. superb. Yes. What? Loose. What? Yeah. This is the shit. It was utterly fantastically acted. It was utterly brilliant. We did say um, some some weeks ago that there is no way that... I know that the storyline with the fertiliser isn't over yet, but um, that this has to play out very differently from, from Brian and his uh, pesticides, which were, yeah. you know, discovered, um, you know, bur- buried away. And it completely and utterly has. We also knew they were setting us up for them to lose the house. We didn't yeah. realise in what spectacular fashion 
it was going to be done. Yeah, yeah. We have to say brilliant plotting, brilliant script writing, superb acting. Yeah. And you you look at it and you go, wow, right? Yeah. Emma's, take, the, take away the fact that Emma is a mother's daughter. So there is an, an element of social climbing. Mm-hmm. But for all the right reasons they've worked bloody hard yeah and yeah. And, and and at the and at the heart of this whole story is the fact that there aren't enough affordable homes yeah. for working people yeah forget how how you might feel about emma and what she tried to do to try and hold on to her dream mm. that's the point that yeah. she's she, she she has what two jobs or is it three jobs uh, and then ed yeah yeah, two or three. Yeah. Um, Ed has a relatively decent-ish paying job, we're led to believe. You know, he's a mm. contractor who does a bit of this and a bit of that. But no one's necessarily screwing him over. No. But then he had to go out to top up his wages by doing something which he knew was dodging, was illegal. Mm. And even then, they couldn't really afford. It was, it was shared ownership. Yeah, that's the utter scandal in in all yeah. of this, and that's the point, right? And I just think, you know what? Bravo to everybody all concerned with this storyline. We knew it was going to go up in smoke, but it was delivered in such a way. And for Ed to pull the rug from underneath Emma and say, "It's over." Yeah, because remember, just a couple of weeks ago, and and I, I'm vindicated because I said. They'll never break up. She'll never leave him. Because we always thought it was going to be her that would actually walk. And wow, you know, all of our jaws just went slack when he just says, I can't do this anymore. And you understood his Mm. reason. Because Mm. she'd just gone utterly bonkers. But, Luce, let me understand something. Because what what I'm totally confused about, and I'm going to let, I'm giving the scriptwriters a pass on all of this, but I'm totally confused. If they were going to exchange on the yeah. Friday, that means they have their deposit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The only thing lacking was that Ed didn't have ga- uh, gainful employment. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So Emma was running around the village like a blue ass fly trying to find people who would um, – give them enough money so they didn't have to have a mortgage. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, so they could, they could lower the deposit and therefore they could pay... You mean up the she deposit? She was trying to get cash to increase their deposit and therefore lower their subsequent mortgage repayments. But, but this is bonkers. And they should have spoken to Uncle Royfield, right? Because, okay, strictly speaking, what I'm going to propose wasn't legal, but I would say that it's equivalent to doing 65 on a 60 highway, dual carriageway, <laughs> right? Yeah. So they got 15 grand from Neil. Yeah. Three from William. Yeah. Uh, basically two grand from Chris. Yeah. And 340 quid from <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> and the kids' piggy banks and yeah. whatever right. else she could get. Which was the most moving thing. Yeah. Right? You just went, yeah. oh, bless. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now... Without doing the maths on all of that, right? Because I haven't, because I'm just remembering this and whatever. Yeah. So, best part of 20K. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 
Now, the mortgage company will presume on the Friday that the circumstances have not changed. Yeah. Yeah. But if, when you could... sign the contract, it says if there has been a change in your circumstances, you must tell us. Lucy, mm-hmm. as I said, it's equivalent to doing 65 All in right. a 60. Right. So yeah. you've, you've got 20 grand, best part of 20 grand. Yeah. From friends and family. Yeah. Now, Ed has a history of working, of finding employment, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any mortgage company um, will give you three months. Yeah. Um, if you are, if you can't make a payment before they'll start repossession. Yeah. You got three months. Well, this is what okay. Emma was saying. It was Ed that said we've got to tell them. But no, but she was. But even she was going about it the wrong way, right? If she, if she want, if she needed the twenty grand, if she needed money, she mm. need because we got to presume they could afford the repayments if Ed was working, yeah. because otherwise there wouldn't have been exchanging and moving in, yeah. right? So let's take that as a given, right? Yeah. She should have been running. If she needed money from people, she should have said, I need this as, a, in effect, a bridging loan until Ed gets work again. Not mm-hmm. to not to pay off the whole of the mortgage. That, that was just ridiculous. That yeah. was ut- utterly ridiculous. And yes, at the point of signing that contract, they're, be, they're being dishonest. But then the week afterwards, they could have said, actually... Um, he's just lost his job. If if that if that was going to be such a major sweat for them, because mm. they've got twenty grand to keep paying the bloody yeah, mortgage, mortgage, yeah, yeah, you know, month after month. Mm. That's what I couldn't understand. I'm like, wait on a minute, am I well, just I think, too much? Go I on. think Cosmo pulled it apart as well, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, and sort of said, no, 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 that wouldn't work. They wouldn't have to. They wouldn't do that. They would have had to let this person know. You don't have to declare this until then. Um, it, well, well, it, there were there were quite a few plot holes. I think there were quite a few technical holes. I think, but it was just the overwhelming thing was. I mean, whether the rules have changed because it's your first time buyers, or and I know that they are much less willing now to give people mortgages than they. Yeah, but used but they've be, got but, the mortgage. But they've got the mortgage. Is the mm, thing, yeah. right? And and I get the point. And maybe I have worked for myself. And this says maybe says much more about me, but maybe it's because I've worked for myself literally in the whole of my adult life. And there's been times when I've had to pay a supplier and I didn't actually have the cash and I've had to go round the houses and whatever. And it says maybe yeah. says much more about me. But if you've got 20 grand, right, in effect, you've got, let's say their mortgage is a thousand pounds a month, just for the sake of easy mass. You've got 20 months of, in effect, Ed trying to find work. Yeah. And that's what I just couldn't understand. It's like she's gone about this completely the wrong way. However, it doesn't detract from an amazing week of drama. So uh, for me, I was just scratching my head through the whole week saying, I don't understand why she's go she, she going about this in the way that she is. She's got the money. The mortgage company fundamentally do not care as long as you pay them. They don't mm. care where you get it from. Just pay them. Yeah. Yeah. However, amazing, utterly amazing. And yeah. if I was eating a bacon sandwich when that 
on that Friday when Ed said our marriage is over, it would have fallen out of my mouth. I did not see that coming. Bravo. Bravo. Utterly bravo. I think there was there was lots to be uh, lots that was impressive about that uh, uh, that episode. Not least the acting of the surrounding. I, I was fascinated by the different um, uh, reactions of the people that Emma approached. Mm. You know, Peggy, uh, Kate, uh, Kate interfering. Are you begging for my grandmother? I mean, you know, as if Kate hasn't done that every single every other bloody week. Um, uh, 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 Ruth uh, getting shirty, Jim just freezing with horror. Um, you know, just absolutely fascinating. But the but the line that I loved was Emma turning to Ed and saying, "Don't you ever get fed up of always being grateful." And I thought that's it. Mm. That's the whole thing. The poor old Grundies. You just want to be poor old Ed, poor old Emma all the time. Don't you ever get fed up of, of being, um, of being, uh, yeah, it was just beautifully written. Beautiful. She did say some dreadful things to Ed, which actually did remind me slightly of some of the things that you've said. You said he's not bright and and whatever. (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant about you. (laughs) Well, you said some choice things about me as well, Lucy, you know. (laughs) Uh, are we the uh, the ed and emma of uh, of, uh, a podcast (laughs) (laughs) you're so stupid royfield no she did say (laughs) she said to him she did she call him stupid and thick or something in the space of one sentence probably she said you're so you're so thick and you're just so stupid she said there Uh, was a lot of invective thrown Ed's way, and you, you, you are. There was, it was a masterclass, not only in acting, but of um, social mores and them being shattered. And you know, her going to Jim, Jim's response was incredibly patrician, and yeah. just you know, I, I'm just going to I, pretend you didn't say that, Emma. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very and inappropriate. I, I thought Peggy would have been warmer towards the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, considering. Um, Emma and Peggy do have a relationship and as you've said on numerous occasions Peggy does respect Emma as a grafter somebody yeah. you know who, who puts the sweat in yeah and has actually called her back you know yeah. the, you know to continue working so uh, Peggy's response was was a little haughty uh, but her Emma's desperation that whole week yeah oh, oh it was just, horrible it, yeah it made you want to weep and and then she said um uh, um, it's it's that everybody she met said, "Oh, you excited? You're looking forward to it? Well, it's all gone a bit wrong. Can you help me?" No, you know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. you that that wall came up. I think it's a very English wall as well. Uh, a, don't embarrass me by asking for something. B, don't talk about money, and don't mm-hmm. don't air your dirty linen in public. You just. Get on with it and hide it. You know what's wrong with you? Your mother and father struggled on on the, you know, on the breadline. They they got chucked out of uh, Grange Farm and ended up going to live in you know some shithole council council place. Um, yeah, uh, and and they just they just got on with it because they knew their place and you don't. And you know we we as a result we're going to draw together as a class and just cold shoulder you. 
It was, um, oh, excellent. Just wonderful. It was interesting she didn't ask Helen. Well, she got she close to it to. and then she yeah. backed off, didn't she? Yeah, because Helen was so kind of envious about yeah. the fact that she's going to have her own place and then yeah. so she swerved, swerved away. You know, I, I think it's interesting what you just said there, that they consciously, Peggy, Jim... And Ruth, because we've forgotten about Ruth. She went to Ruth yeah. as well. And Ruth yeah. was just like very dismissive. Yeah. Just yeah. like, you know, what the yeah. hell are you asking me for? How yeah. dare you? Yeah. You know, bear in mind that um, Emma was somewhat uh, blunt. Well, blunt's the wrong word. For saying that you've got a, you've had a windfall. Yeah. You know, and Ruth says, uh, we've been given back the money which we were owed. Yeah. But the frustration for Emma of being surrounded by these people who all they did to get the money was either marry it or be born into it. Mm. You know, Ruth did not, Ruth married that money. True. And, you know, it, None of them know what it is like, know, have an inkling of what it's like to be in Ed and Emma's position. And and no one said to Emma, I'm really sorry. I cannot help you. Is there anything else I can do? Can I, can I be a reference for you for the bank? Can I do this? Can I do that? They just got massively offended and closed ranks, mm-hmm. which I think is well, absolutely realistic. I think that's absolutely what would happen. But it was horrible tracy was the only one that actually you know neil did obviously because he's his, her father but um you, you know sort of slightly more i know she's still no, family but and also one Ed and, chris. Um, and also william and chris william and chris it's just that we didn't hear them you know kind of sweating uh, no. or justifying it and stuff but we yeah. heard that they, that they came through as well but they were they're family members aren't they the, yeah the only the, there's a couple of things and maybe this is a nuanced point I don't think, and maybe this is, because whenever we talk, well, not whenever, often when you and I talk about the archers, we mention class. Not all the time, but often. And this was all about class and aspirations. And what I get from what you're saying is that your Jims and your Peggies are like, know your place. Yeah, and and I and I disagree with that. It's not a case of like know your place. It's a case of you've got a problem. This is not my problem, which isn't which isn't the same thing. Because I think they're genuinely happy for her and Ed to purchase um, the the what the hell? What's a place even called? I've forgotten. Beach nuts. Yeah, Beechwood. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> well done. Uh, purchase a place at Beechwood. Perfectly happy, but it's just not their problem, and and and, and they feel no culpability, um, no collective responsibility at all of the inequity of modern society. And most mm. of us are struggling on with our own stuff, not to worry. And, and not to uh, be touched by the concerns of others. You know, yeah. we walk down the street, right, and you're worrying about um, your two kids you're, you're about to go back to school. Um, have they, you know, your daughter's about to go into sixth form. Has she done well in her exams? Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then you see a homeless person, you step over them because you have your own concerns. Yeah, but and also you don't know the homeless person. 
If you've grown up with the homeless person, that's that would point, be different. Luce, that's an excellent point. That is a most excellent point, which somewhat goes to derail, um, <laughs> to a degree, my train, my locomotive. Woo, woo. And it's gone, woo, we've gone off those tracks. However, however, to be fair to Jim. Was it a pendolino? I think they go off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Jim. He's got other things on his mind. I think Jim and Peggy weren't know your place. Jim and Peggy were just, that was a frozen in horror. Oh, my God, you're talking about something that shouldn't be talked about in public. You've you've been vulnerable in front of me and I'm panicking and I don't know what to do. Ruth was know your place. Yeah, yeah. Ruth was completely not know know your place. She was. She was, right? Yeah. And the the other thing which I'd very slightly uh, disagree with you, says none of them have had to struggle. For their cash. Yeah. Peggy is all about, I grew up in the East End of London or wherever the heck she grew up in. Yeah. It was all yeah. terrible. Yeah. And whatever. So Peggy does no struggle. Yeah. Hence, we've always thought Peggy respects Emma because yeah. they both came come from the same kind of stock. You know, yeah. they work hard, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And um, her first Jack was kind of feckless and yeah. she had to deal with that and bring up kids. Not yeah. quite saying that. Ed is feckless, but, you know, they're on the spectrum. You know, he's a bit kind of away with the fairies at times and stuff. Anyway, yeah. it was He's just... not feckless, he's fecking useless. That's what <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. God, you're on fire today. Well done, Lucy. I listened to that episode twice. I had to, like, mm. replay that. I, you yeah. know, and it, oh, just great. Utterly yeah. great like, last Friday. But Emma had come to me all be sorted they'd be in that house right now very simple solution and they didn't need 20 grand mm. you know because ed has a um a history of always working okay there might be a month off here and a month off there and a slightly lean periods and stuff you've got the money from your family and friends you got 10k in the bank to top up any short any monthly mm. shortfalls until mm. he gets a proper contract yeah. that's what i couldn't understand but still i don't want to detract away from I loved I just I just loved all of it I loved the um when I say I loved it it was absolutely horrible to listen to but it was gripping entertaining Um, yeah yeah it was uh Will's kind of breezy oh sorry Ed oh have I you know just kind of totally failing Mm. because as usual he just put his you know oh sorry have I I just spoke too hastily then oh Will, that makes a fecking change, doesn't it? Um, and uh, Fallon's complete bemusement when Emma gets more and more desperate and then says, could you just give Ed a contract? It doesn't matter if he, you don't have to pay him. He doesn't even have to do any work. Just say you've got a contract. Just sign the thing. Come on, please, please just do that. And she's going, mm. why, why, why? You don't, you know, my husband's a policeman. Oh, yes, you're all right, Jack, then, aren't you? That sort of thing. Um, I thought Fallon's sort of total utter bewilderment you know what you know she said why are you being like this um her who else i think was was good and also another lovely bit which was unconnected with the with the um uh the um the 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 grunty thing but when jim went to see harassment about reporting the sexual abuse Mm. And Harrison was doing the interview. And it was that same, it, 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 I was going to say English, but it's not English because it's Jazza, British, um, embarrassment when he said, was it physical abuse or sexual abuse? And he said that last one. He couldn't mm. say 
the word because it was so awful and he just didn't know how to deal with it. It was it was kind of the week of stultifying embarrassment this this week. It was it was how we all live in a very cozy idea about our loving our neighbors and being a community and then when someone really really needs help we panic and run away that's mm. kind of you know and and jazza didn't jazza ran towards the problem rather than away from it but he's going to get into the most awful bloody trouble with jim uh but yes i just thought it, all of it absolutely amazing there was it was very powerful um the the fact that basically what jim said is this has happened to me um i do not want to be defined by this i am yeah. not a victim yeah this is not going to define my life which is very counter to the uh you know the the, the current the current mode of seeing people who have been affected by not just by sexual abuse, but any kind of mm. um, um, abuse, that what has happened definitely since the 1960s is that we've said we, that we societies acknowledge, we acknowledge people's pain. Yeah. You know, you, you go back to the First and the Second World War, you get uh, a mother would get a letter saying that your son's been killed at the front. Mm. And, and basically, um, three days later, people are like, well, like, buck up you know get yeah. on there's things yeah. things you need to do you know yeah. you weren't seen as a victim this has well, happened to you all those guys you. that came back with you know post traumatic stress disorder and they were just dismissed as having um nervous problems you know yes if yeah. it, because i you know i read all these blooming between the wall novels and um everybody so many characters in um uh mystery novels had been completely broken mentally broken by the first world war mm. and they were seen as a bit weak you know they're now a bit unstable and a bit weak there was no that you know it was it was sort of poor poor chap but a bit couldn't mm. cope you know and that's it that was kind of the level that of, of nobody seemed to interrogate it very much further what i would say though to to be fair to those uh, to society after the first world war psychology yeah psychoanalysis was all yeah. incredibly new we just yeah. didn't bloody well know did we no. you know it's a, and and it was a case of, and, and we're living in a very different time when infant mortality was so incredibly high people dropped down dead of all things or uh, things all the time and stuff so it's a case of just book your ideas up that type of thing or yeah. we, we or we just don't even understand so yeah. it was really interesting to have jim flying in the face of, you know, the, the modern mores, which is, mm. this has happened to me. It's not going to define me. Do not prod and poke me about this, right? Mm. I have, in my own way, dealt with this for, what, 50 years, however yeah. long it's been. Might not have been dealt with it perfectly, yeah. but I've dealt with it. But also, there is that thing, which I think is quite common to survivors of of any any form of abuse which is i have that person has occupied such an enormous part of my brain for so long i am not going to give them the uh, the the opportunity to occupy it anymore it's like rewarding mm. them i'm not you know 
I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to give them the satisfaction of having any power over me anymore. And some people see, you know, talking about it and, and, and I suppose the, the fear is reliving it, um, which, but Jim clearly is doing that through his horrible dreams that he's having. Mm. You know, I'm not going to give that person the satisfaction of still being present in my thoughts. Mm. It would be interesting to know going back and I, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Jim or whether I've read this, Jim, sorry, Glyn, full of love, or whether it was I've read this on a tweet and I've, Cosmo's come into mind. How far back this storyline has actually been planned with Jim? Mm. Because, you know, maybe there is an episode, I don't know, four years ago, where Jim says, I had a terrible night's sleep, I had, I had nightmares. Mm. I'm guessing that didn't happen, but I don't, I don't definitely know, know for a fact. Um, because, and I suppose and my point is in mentioning that is to say that Jim now having nightmares, it, Jim could have, in Jim's fashion, successfully filed this away to Jim's yeah. thinking. And the very fact of him then seeing the bastard in the wheelchair yeah. has kind of brought it brought it all back but but i just thought it was very clever very powerful and it is an old-fashioned way of dealing with loss trauma distress abuse etc etc which is this has happened this is not going to define me yeah i'm gonna move on yeah you know that way as inherent problems of letting abusers get away with rape and murder yeah yeah. But, but as a coping mechanism for that individual, mm. if that's what it takes for you to get through this, far be it from anybody else to tell you how you should be feeling and coping. But I think, no, but I think what that method does is just mean that you pass on the... Because it can't go anywhere. You can't deal with it by yourself. Uh, I, I, I don't believe you can. Um you can't completely make your peace with it. And then you pass on whatever uh, negative effects that has on your personality. You then pass it on to your children, which is exactly what happened to Jim. But uh, we, we, I, I want to completely agree with you because I don't, I don't disagree, but I think with everything, there are shades of gray. Yeah, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And, Mm. you know, the idea of Jim doing group therapy is just laughable. You know, he'd he'd hate it. But if he had a very, um, you know, uh, sensitive intellectual uh, analyst, therapist, whatever, that could, counsellor, that could... Because what what seems to be the issue that I I mean we need Witherspoon for this I guess but um, is that he he can he can rationalise it and he talks in in a very academic way I'm about it I'm I'm completely fine now I I I don't need to talk about it we've done that it's done I I want to move on blah 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 but when he talked about it with Jazza and Alistair he said I was only seven. I couldn't stop him. It wasn't my fault. Or I couldn't stop him. And Alistair said, it wasn't your fault, dad. And that's when he really started sobbing. So there is, for me anyway, there is some still some residual ambivalence there, as there so often is with 
with uh, particularly sexual abuse cases with children, um, that somehow they did something to deserve it, somehow they encouraged it, somehow they whatever. And that's the bit that is the bit that needs the therapy. He's 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 academic academicized it, uh, rationalized it all beautifully, and it's all lovely in, in, a, in, mm. a, in a, a, a very smart leather bound ring binder somewhere. But it's that infantile part of him that is stuck, that still says, did, "Was this me? Did I do this? What what did did I make that happen by mistake? Did I get it wrong with the grown up? You know." And that's the bit where I think so many people get stuck in these situations. Mm. There, you know, anyway, it, now the fate. <laughs> oh, God. Well, um, let's not even bother yeah, with well, that. Apps and whatever. Um, I love Kate. I, I love her dearly as Hildy, a character. <laughs> but would... No, Kate she wouldn't. She exactly. wasn't the world's most buttoned-down man. No! Exactly. Utter you nonsense. Know, I swear to God, I was on the train with Kate earlier. I was coming back from... Um, <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off her. I was with coming a back... Kate. Uh, uh, yeah. No, Kate. In my head, Kate. I was coming back from St Pancras, and she was two doors... Two things down with me, with a very... Seats down with me, with a very... And she was... Um, about my age, she had very long, curly, blonde hair, but kind of beach blonde curly, not dyed, just kind of blondy. Um, nose ring, very attractive, not much makeup, uh, wearing what looked like sort of yoga clothes, a million mm. billion turquoise rings, um, earrings as well, and um, those friendship band things, you know, that all mm. said different things and had things dangling off them and God knows what else. Um, mm. And she had a little mixed race boy with her who was absolutely adorable and he was talking to her and she was ignoring him. <laughs> He was he was asking her questions and things, and she was trying to look at where she was going on the tube map, and she just completely and she had a really massive battered suitcase with her, and uh, he was chatting away to her, and she she just uh, she just tuned him out completely because she was focused on what she was doing, uh, and then he laid down and put his head on her lap, and then she sort of absentmindedly stroked him while he went to sleep, um, but. And I just thought, that's Kate. That's absolutely Kate. I'm on the train with Kate. I'm on the train with Kate sort of, you know, 15 years ago with, with Nolitando or something. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, I, I have a sneaky feeling. I've, I've told you this story, this story before. I told you about the um, when I was on the train with the little mixed race two-year-old. No. Maybe about three-year-old. So this was, um, I caught a train I was, when I was living in, um, this is about 30 years ago now. God, I'm an old fart. Um, and I was living in Winchester. And my girlfriend at the time had gone to Winchester Uni to do a last year of a BA. And I was catching a train from Portsmouth to up to Winchester or whatever. And it's those old-fashioned carriages where, um, you know, you're sat opposite somebody. Yeah. So you're facing yeah. each other yeah. right? In, the, in a little booth. And um, and I get on and I and I sit down, and there's this woman, and I don't know, she's maybe like early twenties, this beautiful mixed raced uh, baby, biracial, of dual heritage, uh, child, toddler, 
Did I get about, that wrong? Am I not supposed to say mixed race? Well, you know what? No, I, 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 I rattled through all the different labels because oh, okay. in America, they don't like mixed race. But, oh, they say biracial. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Which actually just means African-American because you're tainted if you have one drop of black blood, you know. It doesn't matter how you look. But anyway, that's another conversation. Anyway. So we sit, we, so we sit down, and this little kid, cute as a button, is just staring at me, then turns to his mum and says, Mummy, is that my daddy? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Lucy, I laughed so hard. This woman's face went brown. <laughs> no, no, it's not your daddy. <laughs> Oh. And I said, oh, and then I burst out laughing. And then I caught myself because I was caught in the moment. This poor little kid yeah. you know, has yeah. just become aware yeah. of how Your daddy might look, look different. At... To... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So oh. I laughed and caught myself and stopped. This woman's face went bright purple. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And she's, she apologised profusely, as only the English can do. I'm so sorry, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's only two, he's only two. <laughs> yeah, uh, my mum always tells a story as well, being on the back of a number 33 bus in Birmingham. And uh, there was this, um, this black woman who had... Uh, 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 I said vertiligo. Yeah, it's vertiligo, vertiligo. isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you, you know, and and mum, mum says we sat opposite this woman. <laughs> I turn around to my mum. Mummy, look at her face. <laughs> it's oh, my mum's like, <laughs> and my mum's like, shut up. And I, no, mummy, look. <laughs> And my mum is just like literally putting her hand over my mouth. Oh, mummy, you're not looking at... And the woman just leaned forward and says, Madam, it's totally fine. I get this all the time. You know, you have, you yeah. have, a, you have a child that is aware of the world around them. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. But my mum said, Jesus, I've never felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're not looking, mummy. <laughs> Did I tell you about, sorry, we're now digressing massively, but did I tell you about Tilly on the bus when she was little? No. I'm sure I have. Listeners, feel free to fast forward if you've heard this, because you've probably got these uh, memories in Royfield. Um, I was on a very crowded bus with Tilly. She was about two and a half, three, I think, three maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, a very old man was sitting down with his equally old dog. Mm-hmm. And Tilly's standing up and we're wobbling along with the bus. I'm sure that's not not the case because there's no what? way the dog could be equally as old as the man otherwise the dog no would no, be no, no 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 yeah, dog, you know but i, but I get and, you. Um, <laughs> the dog looks like a half rug with a leg poking out basically and um <laughs> uh <laughs> so we're going wobbling wobbling along to tottenham hale and uh it, the whole bus is quiet apart from tilly's paralyzingly loud little voice which says mummy i can smell wee she says <laughs> And I said, oh, can you? Anyway, let's see if we can see a red car. She said, yes, but well, I can though. Is it me? And I said, I don't know. Probably not. Let's see if we can see a blue car. You know, so uh, I distract her with the blue car for a little bit. And then she says, mummy, mummy, everyone knows it's this old bloke that absolutely reeks. 
Mm-hmm. She said, Mummy, <laughs> Mummy, I think I've I think I know who is it that smells of wee? She says, I'm thinking, oh, my God. The whole of the bottom floor of the bus is all shifting uncomfortably now. And she's peering up at me under her little furry hood. And she said, I think it's the dog, in a penetratingly loud whisper. So I said, oh, yes, yes, it probably is. It's all right. It's probably, yes, you're probably right. Let's look for green cars. So we trundle on, the whole bus relaxes. Then she suddenly says, no, I'm wrong. It's the old man. <laughs> <She> says, <laughs> God, God's sake. I saw. It's just uh, this perfect, perfectly adorned uh, elderly gentleman. It's about December of last year. It's a little market. Um Slightly, well, it's not, it's not slightly posh. It's kind of posh little grocers or deli. And there's this gentleman, so beautifully turned out, loose, uh, tweed jacket, white shirt, tie, um, cream trousers or pants, as they call them over here, pissed himself. Right? And the, the, the arc of, you know, pea stain... Right, and he'd only just oh. done it as well. It was so wide, right? You know, he'd just done it. And it was a blazing hot day. The sun had not had time to dry out his trousers. But what I admired about him, right, because he was dressed so well and he had his uh. shopping bag with him, he said, I've let myself go, but I still need to get on with my day. And he went into that shop. Did he, did, you know, got his groceries, right? I walked in after him, right? He went to the checkout. He wasn't going to let it detract from his day. His things no. he needed to do. Yeah. But he just okay. had had an accident. You know, mm. he didn't run away from it, you know, <laughs> whatever. But I just, the dignity of that gentleman, I will never forget. You know, he just said, this has happened. Everyone can see this has happened. Yeah. But I still need to go do my shopping. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> On that note, how, how have you got to that, Lucy? <laughs> I don't know. I never know. Sometimes I feel like we need to sort of lay a trail of breadcrumbs to get back to where the hell we started. We started well, uh, with the archers, I think. We did, we did, which means I should now do this. Hello, Ambridge3962. And let's have a little... Oh, I forgot. You know what? I forgot the actual phone ringing. We'll have That's to put right. that in for next week. But that did work. Uh, so much so that I want to do it again. Hello, Ambridge3962. And let's have a little bit of this. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, sitting on a lovely deck in Kinderhook, New York, with old friends, all getting along with each other, with no marital separations in sight, unlike (laughs) the current state of the Grundy-Carter clan. This week's Archer's episodes were stressful to listen to, and many of us were wondering whether Emma had lost the plot. Were the scriptwriters piling on the poor Grundys, as Emma, in a way, was saying? In the world of the archers, God equals the scriptwriters. Will God or the scriptwriters never allow them to move up in the world, no matter what? Or was losing the mortgage and, as a result, the house a natural consequence of Ed getting himself involved in criminal activity because he was pressured by Emma to earn more money? He could have pushed back on Emma and said, hey, our new pal Tim is involved in some illegal shit, and no amount of money is worth the risk. 
Hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. Ed has drawn the line of legality he won't cross by not lying to the bank. He realizes he should have set his ethical line with Tim, and then he wouldn't be in this mess. That leaves us with the surprise announcement to conclude the week. Ed wants to leave Emma. We wouldn't have gasped if Emma said she wanted to leave Ed, mm. but the reverse caught us off guard. Mm-hmm. Yet it made sense. We see that Emma has valued material goods and standing in the community above all else. She is her mother's daughter, after all. Whereas the Grundys, Clary, Eddie, Joe, Ed, and even Will in his own distorted way, put family first, no matter if you own a house or not. This has all opened Ed's eyes to how his basic values differ from Emma's. Will their relationship survive the crisis? I really do hope so. But I do think it's Emma who has to make most of the changes. Talk to you all soon. Mm. Can I just quickly say, just before you uh, come out of the really erudite, succinct, thoughtful... Now I've got nothing to say. I just agreed with him. Yes. Anyway, come on. I utterly hope that um, Ed and Emma can actually sort this out. Yeah, me too. I I like the fact that he said it's over. And if he needs to uh, move out for a bit and do all of that, great. But many, many things are said in anger um, in relationships and and generally on a docu-soap, on a continuing drama, when somebody goes, that's it, I'm leaving, generally they do leave. In life, at best, I'd say it's 50-50. Or more to the point that the relationship is completely over. You know, yeah. so I hope that we have some messy normality. And I call for that with Shula and Alistair. Let's have mm. some messy normality where, yeah. you know, they, they kind of they rub along for a bit and maybe they don't and then they get back and whatever. But let's not involve Will because that's just too obvious. Let's not have her going back to Will for a bit. That's just well too obvious. Do you um, think? Oh, God, yeah. Though all the things that Emma want material out, materially out of life yeah will can got. supply yeah 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 yep. you know so it would make a whole load of sense but it's too neat it's how too neat. in the world is she going to carry on how is she going to rebuild relationships with people in the village after this i don't mean after leaving it but i mean after asking everyone you know, for cash yeah yeah mm. yes it, it's it's a fair point and what they do a lot of in the archers is to leave a space. So yeah. I'll talk about the fact that there is Sunday's episode. And the Sunday's episode, which obviously follows Friday's episode, was the village fate. And there was there was no Emma. There was mm. a brief bit of mention of her with Susan worried about what people are going to be saying, why she moved into Beech Nuts mm. and stuff. But I, I presume, fundamentally, they'll just give it space and time and then there'll be the odd interaction where she has to deal with Jim next and yeah. they'll be a little bit cagey around each other. But, you know, the, the will, you, you will not hear her worry about that. You, you just got to imagine that's what actually what's happened and the fact that she's kind of slightly hiding herself away. But anyway, yeah. uh, this show's going to run long, our, our loose. Sorry. So yeah. why don't, what were you apologising for? It was me that was talking about oh, the sorry. little... The, the, the little, uh, the, the lovely little kid in the railway carriage, circa nineteen ninety. Daddy, it's like, <laughs> it's like Doctor Who. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> was. All right, now it's Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. This is probably about call number one hundred and ninety-four. 
on uh, the Ed and Emma situation, but call number I two. have something to say. <laughs> Emma needs to accept some responsibility for pushing Ed into Tim. She cannot blame it all on him. Uh, he did try. Uh, when he realised it was going to be dodgy, he wanted to walk away. She was the one who said, no, go back. And she really was quite forceful. So, Emma, you need to wind your neck in, love. Um, I did wonder with Ed on Friday, his nuclear uh, is the end of the road, end of the marriage option. Um, Does he mean it or was it really just saying something extreme as one would to a toddler to break through to her and stop her in her tracks and make her Mm. think? Um, I would be interested in your views, hosts, on on this point. Um, Will she go back to Will? Will she... um, Uh, Someone on Twitter has already mentioned that she was always attracted to his property potential. So it's a possibility. But uh, any which way uh, the outcome is, I am glad that the chemicals plot hasn't turned into a police intervention, but is shining the spotlight on their marriage, as uh, uh, Robert and I discussed in a few uh, uh, podcasts ago. Hope you're all well and enjoying the summer and uh, speak to you again soon. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Horn. Uh, anything you'd like to comment on before we move on? Well, no, but I've just remembered that we never said anything about Shula being a vicar because no one cares. <laughs> uh, very true. And uh, from uh, a character on the arches of which religion is important to, to a listener who also is a bit of a god botherer, it's Miss Mid-City. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City um, reflecting on Friday's episode. Ed has made an enormous decision and maybe the timing's not great, but I think he's probably done the right thing. can't be good for their marriage to have to contend with money pressures and just listening to Emma's language and her attitude towards Ed this week was horrible. Her bitterness and resentment, um, that was never going to be tolerable for him. Um, His conclusion was bleak, but probably quite right. Uh, I guess it would be difficult to overcome this problem in their marriage. And there's something of of Lady Macbeth about her. She's got Mm -hmm. an ugly side of her character that is quite ruthless and ambitious. And she was desperate and she was debasing herself by going around begging people for money. And then at the same time, she was really cruel to Ed. Um, Mm. It's a really unhappy situation, but... um, Separation is probably the best outcome. Uh, I don't know how they're going to navigate their breakup in such a small village with their families being so close. But from my point of view, the the maths didn't match their desire to own their own home. It stands to reason that if it's a struggle to get the deposit with both of them working flat out, even if the bank is saying it's affordable, I don't know how they could sustain a payment schedule and pay all the other costs of home ownership and raise a family for the next 20 or 25 years. It was a stretch, a stretch to Mm. get the deposit, and it sounded like it would be a stretch to just keep the roof over their heads. I'm sorry for them both, but unfortunately it's the kind of thing that I've seen before, day in, day out at work, money problems, marriage crises, it's all horrible. Going back to kind of what I said at, at the start of the show, is that but saying it in a slightly different way, is that there has been a compact in our society and also in in North American societies, not 
in European necessarily, but definitely in Anglo-Saxon ones for the last 50, 60, 70 years, that if you work hard, you will be rewarded with owning your own home. And what that does for future generations is not to be taken lightly. Mm. Without wanting to put too wider, make too wider social logical point on this, but American GIs uh, were promised during the Second World War that they would get cheap loans from the government so they could buy homes. Yeah. This massively led to a prosperity boom. boom across the United States. There were other things as well. There's the Marshall Plan, which meant that uh, America gave money to war-torn Europe so they could actually buy American goods, rebuild their economies, but also buy American goods. Now, those loans were not given to black GIs, those cheap loans. And actually, um, a system called redlining was instituted throughout the throughout the US. And most people, especially white folks, do not know about this. And redlining only stopped in the 1970s. And basically what it meant was, if you were black and you went to a bank for a mortgage or for a loan, but let's say specifically for a mortgage, the bank would not give you a mortgage in, in, in white areas. And, the, and it was government mandated, secret law, which was only abolished in the 1970s. Now, Blimey. the reason why that is really important is it's in its its family inherited wealth. The amount of times I'll have a conversation with someone who is middle class, and they'll say something like, "You know, well, you know, I've worked hard for everything that I've got, mm. and they have worked hard, and that's the thing, Lucy. Mm. They have worked hard, but." Um, when they went off to university, um, mum or dad or grandma and grandpa bought them a beat up secondhand car. Mm-hmm. It helped them. They threw yeah. them a few grand yeah. for, for, the, for, yeah. for their rent. Yeah. It helped them. It helped yeah. them. Now, if you are a person of colour in the United States, you do not have that generational wealth transfer which comes from property ownership. You don't yeah. have it because the government said we're mm-hmm. not going to give it to black GIs. So when people, you know, look at um, whether it is communities of colour or working class communities and just say, you know what, you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. It negates the fact that some people, not it's not their own fault, have had a yeah. helping hand, but it's always invisible. And they'll say, but I've worked really hard. And yes, you have. But yeah. your parents could afford to give you violin lessons, which yeah. help you with your yes. education. Yeah. Your parents yeah, yeah, could yeah. afford yeah. to drop you to to ballet lessons, which yeah. helps, you know. Yeah. Your parents could... And this is the situation that Emma and Ed find themselves yeah. in, that they're denied to be able to get on that first rung of, yeah. of the property ladder, but they've been told, society tells us, if you work hard, you can do it. And they yeah. worked bloody yeah. hard. So, yeah. Miss Mid-City, when you say, I've seen it all before, money problems, I know you're not being totally glib, but it comes over as slightly glib. There's a wider issue which the script writers were actually addressing mm. and they dress it up as a drama. The, the thing is, she's got three jobs. 
Ed is a contractor. No one ever says that Ed doesn't work hard and that he's feckless. He works bloody hard and so does she. And they still couldn't afford somewhere is the point. Two things I read today that sort of reminded me of this storyline was a million more young people than uh, than before are now are returning home to live with their parents. Mm. A million people in the UK because they've just got absolutely no chance of getting a job and uh, sorry of getting a getting their own home uh, and thirty seven percent of uh, people on universal credit, which is 360,000 people in 2018, were people with jobs. Well, you know, that, that's another scandal. That's another utter scandal. The fact that the government, and it happens in, in the US as well, that the government actually gives cash handouts to companies for them to have, uh, to employ people on not livable wages. Mm. The fact that we have people on government credit who do a full-time job is one of the biggest scandals of the last 20 years. Yeah. And we do not say to those companies, pay a living wage. And, And the thing is, we're all paying for it. If you're a taxpayer, you are paying companies to uh, employ people on a wage which is not livable, which the government knows is not livable. Hence, we're topping up their wages. It's an utter fucking disgrace. Anyway, moving on, right? Uh, so Claire from Clapham. <laughs> Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been hosting Dumpty Dum in the last few weeks. I've really yes, enjoyed the you. cavalcade of hosts. Um, cavalcade, like that. This week. <laughs> And uh, so let me say before I start that thank God for Tracy Horobin, who's been <laughs> a worth about two minutes of joy in an otherwise yeah. unremittingly bleak week. Um, it's just been so hard going. I've almost yeah. had to force myself to listen. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And before I get on to Ed and Emma, can I just say this is, will also go down as the week that. Jazza went to see Harrison and make a report about Jim's abuse and that was such a mistake and I really wish that Jazza had had some more support and he felt like he had somewhere to go Mm. and somewhere to say this stuff and I just really fear for what's going to happen when Jim finds out about this and I suspect that Jazza will be out on his ear as well because he's not going to forgive him easily Um, so I do feel for everyone in that situation and then when it comes to Ed and Emma in the house, oh, my goodness me, it's just so hard. I do think Ed is right. They were never going to be secure homeowners. They were never going to be stable homeowners. They were always going to struggle. And so in some ways they might be better off out of it. But I also entirely understand where Emma's coming from and why she felt it was so important, um, you know, and given all the time I've spent lobbying for affordable housing, I can just say that the right kind of stable, affordable housing of all kinds in rural areas is so important. So let's see how that goes. Anyway, keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Bye. And just before, forget Lucy, November the 9th, is of course Dumpty Dum Live and the Dumpty Dum Awards. And we have Susie Rids, who plays our Tracy Horribin, who's, Definitely 110% confirmed as being um, an actor that will be with us on stage. And Angela. Oh, because it's her birthday. Yeah, but she's not an an actor from the Archers, though, is she? Or even an actor? 
No, but she's she's good and famous. Yeah, no, she is. And did you, did you see her tweet? No. I have what? kind of slightly poked my nose back into a little bit of Twitter. Um, okay. I her tweet yesterday read um, that she felt all spiffy because she had to go to I think it was A and E. So she she done done herself a mischief. She had to go to A and E, and the nurse who dealt with her recognised her voice from Dumpty Dum. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the nurse's Aww. name was Siobhan or some something like that. Uh, so uh, well done, nurse, and well done, Angela, uh, for just being yourselves. Well done. Yeah. You know, Claire said uh, the cavalcade of hosts. Mm-hmm. It made me laugh because my. <laughs> I rang my friend who's having a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Uh, on she's she's on a on, on an let's just say an unsuccessful holiday. I think is mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. And um, uh, I rang her to, to check that she hadn't murdered everybody. And she, I said, "Well, how are you doing?" And she said, "I am surrounded by a cavalcade of fuckwits." <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought a cavalcade of fuckwits. <laughs> ah, sorry, it just reminded me when he when she said that. <laughs> well done, well done indeed. All right, that's Claire from Clapham. We're rattling through these calls now, Luz, because we spent like forty yes. minutes gassing between ourselves, forgetting we have a, a we have a yeah. plethora of calls to get through. Yes, uh, sorry. So right, right now, now it's uh, Stain from Dorset. Hi, Lucy and Royfield. David from Dorset. Oh, here. David, even. First time caller in Ra- and a peer oh. of David Archer. Well done. So, a few things. Friday night's episode. Wow. When you reach the end of an episode and simultaneously think, I didn't see that coming, and that absolutely makes sense, yeah. then you know that the writing's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hats off to the scriptwriter. Yep. I do hope that Adam doesn't back down, not through wishing any ill will to Ed and Emma or maybe a bit of ill will to Emma, but because his reaction was absolutely right. My guess is they won't tell the mortgage company, and this is setting up some future plot lines of mortgage arrears and repossession. be strange and sad, though, not to hear Joe's reaction to the events. Next, I know the weed killer is just a MacGuffin, but what is it about weed killer that makes it illegal and so profitable for a gang to operate on such a large scale? There's no mention of Tim and Ed having to pay for the weed killer, even though it was Ed's fault it wasn't delivered. So is it really likely that Tim would risk drawing attention to himself trying to sell Mm. it rather than just find a way to dispose of it? Thirdly, a word in support of Shula. I don't think she's a hypocrite. Hypocrisy surely is about pretending to have qualities that you don't have. Shula doesn't set herself up as a model to aspire to. She's got a vision fashioned by her beliefs for how people ought to live, but she's the first to admit that she falls short of that. So yes, she can be annoying, interfering or whatever, but not hypocritical. Hypocrisy would be lecturing your husband's ex-employer on employment law before deciding that it doesn't actually suit you to have the law applied after all. And finally, Peggy's money, which is just another MacGuffin really. I think it's going to go to Kirsty. So thanks for listening. Carry on the good work and oh, oh, goodness! What was he going to say? And <laughs> and I will kill again. That's what he was going about to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the thing about the hypocrisy with Shula was was more pointedly around her marriage vows, wasn't it? That somebody yeah. who believes in the sanctity of marriage and the vows that she's taken. 
she then seemed to back out of her marriage without at least even um, voicing to Alistair her concerns and her worries and, you know, blah, 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 that she walked into them vowing uh, that they were sacred and then just backed out of them toot sweet. It was that. Uh, That is the the charge of hypocrisy labelled. And also the the weed killer, he described it as unlicensed. You have to have um, to sell certain products that have been banned in some countries and to sell dangerous chemical chemicals that are dangerous if not stored correctly not they haven't been um checked in by uh, the agricultural people um board and all that sort of stuff they haven't been signed off properly um it makes them expensive so this stuff is cheaper because it's unlicensed so it's probably um the same it's like when you buy chemicals off when you buy medicine medication off amazon that off off the internet rather sorry not amazon not amazon i did not say amazon um <laughs> when you buy it off the internet and it's the same stuff it's just a different brand that maybe isn't licensed in in the uk um you can buy vet products and pet products and things like that um it's cheaper because it is technically not allowed to be sold in this country that's that's why i think that's the deal with this weed killer stuff mm. Yes, I think that makes all a whole load of sense. Uh, Dan from Wigan now. Hello, Lucy Royfield, Robert and Andrew and all the Dumpty Dum listeners around the world. This is Dan from Wigan at PhotoVoltage on Twitter. I thought I would call in and share my thoughts over the last few weeks, months. This is my second time caller winnering and uh, I think my first time was a couple of years ago. So the whole gym storyline was quite hard to listen to. And I think I had to stop listening to the archers for a couple of weeks and then caught up on a big, long drive um, while that whole thing was going on. I think it's been done really well and credit to the actors who've been involved. And I think the storyline has been difficult to listen to but that's probably one of the good things about it is that it's been um thought-provoking jazz's reaction was great and i think the way that alistair has dealt with it has been really good too supporting Mm. his dad and despite all of shula's great points she's still um an utter utter horrible person (laughs) i really don't like her um i had a lot more that i wanted to say and i'm about to run out of time why do you limit this to two minutes um keep up the good work you're all fantastic love you oh at least he said he loved us before he went yes why do you limit this to two minutes because we had some calls that but we're like going on for sort of four and five minutes and things and people would sort of lose track of what they were saying and all that sort of stuff. And it's our job to lose track of what we're saying. Not <laughs> anyone else's. <laughs> That's why. Oh. It was me that did it and I am unrepentant. So stuff it. <laughs> well done for your call, Dan. And uh, well done, Lucy, for uh, a humorous retort. Now it's time for Kitty. 
Hello, this is Kitty. This is just about, well, the only kind of storyline this week, which is Ed and Emma. And are they going to get the house, aren't they? Uh, it's absolutely excruciating. It is, oh my God, it's so, it's like, um, it's like a slow car crash, you know, it's, oh, you know, begging people and, but you kind of, it's, it's weird. You kind of understand why she's doing it. And it's, is she going to yeah. have a nervous breakdown? And yeah. is it right that she's asking people? Well, it's not. And it's, but you, you kind of can't blame her being someone in my thirties who can't buy a house myself in a similar position. It's, you know, it, uh, you, well, I don't think I'd ever be that desperate, but uh, it's very, it's good. Basically, it, it's a really excellent <laughs> storyline. And I, I, I thought it would annoy me more at the prospect of them losing the house. But actually, it's turning out to be it's just I'm dying to hear the next one. So they're mm. obviously doing it right, in, in my opinion, yeah. anyway. So yeah. let's see what's next. I have no prediction. I, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, them leading the way with this one. Oh, I think that's Kitty gone. I think that I think she's she's right though. I don't know. I cannot. I have no idea what's going to happen. I was thinking about um, Emma and Will, but as you said, that would be too cliche. She can't do that. She can't just keep pinging about between the brothers. That's just weird. Mm. Um, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? And it is so. It is so gripping, and kind of awful but easier to listen to than the Robin Helen because no one's actually being physically hurt no one's actually you know losing their marbles mm. about this it's just it's just a horrible it's just horrible 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 and mm. really good <laughs> yeah the just before we go on to uh, the advertisement break and uh, we drink our camp coffee um it was you that said, I don't know, about six weeks ago, whenever the um, the revelation came up that Jim had been abused and you said, uh, you made a point of saying how Alistair was dealing with it and how um, Jazza was dealing with it. Mm. And Claire from Clapham's kind of made, made, a, made a similar point and stuff. And, and other callers have in intervening weeks when we haven't been doing the show is that, you know, the, the, the fallout of this is that uh, people around have their own kind of PTSD, don't they, almost? Yeah. You know? Well, and they, they, they suffer the consequences of the sufferers, the yeah, survivors exactly. of PTSD. And just feel incredibly powerless. And and that is, in effect, the, the Jazza storyline. You put your finger on it some weeks ago that in Jazza's world, you just go around and just kick the shit yeah. out of the guy. Yeah, you know that's that's that. That's and just I really wish do. that is what exactly what he could do, mm. and then uh, send him to prison, and yes. chop his head off, and everything. Yes. Hmm. And you've just done jewelry service, have you, Luce? <laughs> <laughs> we sent him down. <laughs> Good heavens! <laughs> <laughs> it's only because it's Jim, and I like Jim, and it's just no. awful. Yeah, we, we all love a bit of Jimmis. Hmm. But yes, um, and it just goes to show yet again, because I'm getting on my jazz a hobby horse, that the actor obviously can carry emotional scenes. It's not just mm. glib with him shagging some woman on his milk round um, and having beers down the pub. 
the actor yeah. is actually capable of conveying a deep, a deep well of emotion and delivering that through the script given. So why don't we just have, just for once, a story on which is about Jazza as opposed to him being yeah. just tacked on to mm. another one? Yeah. Right. Anyway, yes. on that note, folks, um, you might be in a bit of the world where um, ACAST, the agency um, that finds adverts for Dumpty Dum, has, has found an advert and they might throw it on roundabout now. If not, the next voice you'll hear will be Millie Bells. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Good day, everyone. What a fabulous week to have been uh, leading the Facebook page with so much happening. <coughs> Emma Louise Woodhouse uh, posted saying, So, anxious about chicken pox, distracted, head in another place, Fallon's pregnant, right? She said it was the chicken box that first made her think of it. Uh, she's oh. to be, I'm not sure what TBF means, but. Uh, she said, I'd probably be a bit off kilter if one of my friends had behaved as disgustingly as Emma. And then there was a long discussion about whether chicken pox is a notifiable illness or not. I must admit, I hadn't thought of her being pregnant, but uh, well done you, Emma, for having a bit of a think about it. Uh, and of course, uh, most of what we discussed this week was about Emma, um, her behaviour, asking people more and more desperately for money. And finally, of course, whether her marriage is going to survive this, uh, Ambridge Fairies aside. Janice Betson said it's all getting a bit operatic. Man commits crime in order to keep social climbing wife happy, gets sacked, wife goes insane and shrieks out a 20-minute aria of rage and frustration while child <laughs> fades away on sickbed. Man is beaten to a pulp by criminal associates for endangering their swag and is arrested in hospital at the same time as child is rushed to A&E. Wife sobs out 25-minute aria of repentance before throwing herself <laughs> off hospital roof. Curtain. <laughs> 
Um, and Pat Riff, R- R- is that Ralph or Rife? I think it's Ralph Hanovan said, I don't quite buy the proposition that this is the one and only affordable housing option that is is or ever will be in or near Ambridge. And although I do wish a Grundy could one day catch a break, Emma's not the first person to have her heart set on something that falls through. I used to love her character, but she's lost me and most of Ambridge now. Hmm. And that is true, mm. of course. Uh, we, Of course, as the story um, unravelled, we uh, had more and more on this topic. And the very last one we discussed was whether that marriage is now over. And uh, Fiona Crawford said, Emma has become so obsessed with getting the house she seems to have lost all reason, attacking her friends, colleagues and Ed, and even briefly neglecting Kira's needs when she was ill. It looks like she may have burnt a lot of bridges, but I wasn't expecting that. Sasha Manish said, yes, Emma has worked hard, but she's never satisfied. Edward needs to be willing to work for the relationship, but he has had enough. It's all so sad. Monica Postle said also that this was one of the saddest episodes. Everything came crumbling down. Emma was so focused on the house, she had no idea of the damage being done to her marriage. Pam Crookshank Crookshank also agreed and said, yes, Ed is far too kind to her and will be browbeaten all his days if he stays, although I wonder if she's had some kind of mental health issue and might regain her better self. Sean Coleman said it would be very hard for Ed to forgive Emma for the things she said to him. It was pretty rough, and it's hard for Emma to forgive him for losing the house. But who knows, Joe's death may bring them back together. I'm not sure if they're totally over, but it's going to take a lot of work, and I'm not sure if either of them have the strength at the moment. Space is needed and time to think. And Caroline Nee Chollian said no, but it'll be a long time coming back around. I see Will on the horizon for a bit. And a few other people agreed with that prediction. I hope they're wrong. And Karen Valerie Hodgson said, I was really shocked at how this episode ended and where the discussion headed. Yes, Emma said some terrible things to Ed and said some... And Ed said some mean things to Emma, although sadly there was a grain of truth in it all. However, folks saying those things were unforgivable, really? Isn't it worth them realising all that they have together? Two lovely children, supportive families, each other. It seemed ironic that one minute they were on the same page about wanting security for their kids and a family home, whilst the next minute they were yeah. sniping at each other. There was so such a robust discussion. It's a very long discussion. Absolutely recommend that you go and have a look. Uh, if you are interested in involved, we'd love you to be talking with us too. And of course, we had our Saturday snap from uh, Witherspoon. I have to say, he was uh, a bit out of kilter this week because he had a summer holiday snap, and he was asking people where they were on their summer holidays. And of course, half of us are not uh, on our summer holidays. We're in the dreek of winter with a spoon. So seeing where you lot are all going for your holidays is—I <laughs> tell you what—I didn't enjoy that much at all. It made me very jealous. <laughs> Anyway, that's all from me for this week. And next week you will be with uh, the wonderful, the wonderful Yoko Bear. And uh, I'll speak to you in a fortnight. Until then, hooroo. Hooroo. Ta-ra, love. Uh, Luce, can you hit us with some of those mirror headlines? I can. Uh, one was from me. One is from Claire Asprey. Um, that she very kindly sent to me. Right, the one from me is... Daughter turns dead mother into pot plant. She controls remotely through her smartphone. <laughs> I didn't even read the story. I just thought that's perfect as it is. 
And this is from the Metro. <laughs> this is from the Metro that Claire Asprey sent me. Pig tries to fight cow after drinking 18 cans of beer. <laughs> the whole world's gone mad. <sighs> Do you want um, treats now? Yes, please. Linda Top of a Hill said, Kathy is still doing leads for charity at Gay Grables. She has done 2,000 so far and no one has missed her. Uh, Patricia at Olympians said, Emma and Ed, some country singer could write a song about their situation. Do they have a dog? <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, treasonable Sarah, just to remind you that Lexi is now 67 weeks pregnant. <laughs> uh, Garden Gnome. Emma missed a trick. She should have asked the gills to help out with money for the house. They'd have kept quiet. Uh, and <laughs> Charles Puta uh, said, Oh, you soppy fool, Ed. You believe in love. Emma believes in a two-year tracker with Bradford and Bingley. <laughs> bravo. Thank you all. Bravo, bravo. Um, <laughs> it's time when I start to wrap the show up and uh, Luce I had to send out an email to our Patreon supporters uh, a couple of days ago uh, because I forgot to extract uh, money from people's Patreon accounts um, at the end of uh, at the start of this month quite simply because I was still in uh, in in, in dad mode with my girls here and stuff so I sent an email to everybody explaining that what I'll do I won't hit them with a double bill at the end of this month but i'll halve it so they'll get um will be charged for august and then for a couple of shows on top which are actually for july and then i'll do another half in september and you know you know you're just dealing with a lovely bunch of people the amount of emails i've had back with people saying roy phil completely understand don't worry so wonderful to hear it's such a nice time with your daughters in, in San Francisco. Aww. So so thank you for everybody uh, for being so understanding about my utter incompetence, but then just being just right taking the time actually just to email back. Uh, and uh, so so thank you. But that is uh, that is dumpty dummies for you. They're a lovely bunch. They are. Uh, and you can commune with uh, with dumpty dummies a, a few ways, but you can go to dumdydum.com. And you can go there and maybe you can hit on hit the, the shop button and purchase something, a tote bag or a T-shirt or a mug that bears the legend Dumpty Dum. Or you can kind of like comment on past shows or even just listen to them. Or you can go onto our Flick app and somewhere, somewhere uh, in the show notes, uh, there is a link for that if you're not part of the Flick app community because that is pure fire. People are on there chatting about all manner of uh, dumby dumesque things and sometimes even the archers as well so um if you've got a smartphone um you can maybe click hit that link and join uh, our flick community uh i've run out of things to say is there anything in red i'm not looking at the script um yes uh remember to get in contact with us you can send us a voice message via speakpipe on the website or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. And I've forgotten that we've got an email. We've got two. Oh, sorry. All right, you know what? I'll, I'll cut it in at the appropriate place. So, okay. um, yeah, go. Hang on. No, I can't find it. Hold on. Talk amongst yourself, Royfield. La, la, right. la, la. What you can do, folks, uh, another way of supporting us is to go onto patreon.com. Go onto patreon.com and you pay approximately $2 per show. And it has to be in dollars because Patreon is an American platform. 
Um, and uh, basically what you get is a lovely warm glow that you're helping to keep the, the lights on in the studio, the plush studio where Lucy and I record from. But also you get extra content. And talking about extra bedroom. content. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's keep that uh, facade going. So we're yeah. in Derek's bad back bedroom. And um, I owe you a bit of an apology, Lucy. I just thought. Do you? Charles Collingwood. You said you wanted yeah. to be in on the interview. Yeah. I interviewed him two weeks ago. You git! What was he like? He was utterly lovely. Oh. He's a proper... You, you know he's a born after-dinner speaker. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, not only does he have the voice for it, but he's just story after story yeah. after story. You just you just wind him up and just let him go. And then you, you <laughs> just there's just story after story. He, he was wonderful. Um, I had to call him at home. Uh, on his phone because he, he said, I'm no good with computers, so I can't yeah. do that, Royfield. And uh, he had a barbecue to attend to, uh, but he but he left those sausage a sizzling for a good hour plus. And uh, after saying, oh, Royfield, the, the, there's got things on the barbie. And uh, but boy, he didn't stop talking. He was rather lovely. But it was so difficult to arrange that I had to just like do. Well, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. fine. Right. I forgive you. And then, and then, and then. Guess who we've got coming on Dum Dum Extra? And you'll only get these interviews, folks, if you're a Patreon supporter. That's the whole point of me talking about this. Um, our Ed Gundry. Our Ed Grundy is coming on to Dum Dum Extra uh, next month. Can I interview him? him? Why not? Yay. Because no one and ever lets me interview them. What do you. Well, that's so obviously Gillian. not true. You just need to try harder when you ask people, Lucy. Okay. Who have you actually asked? Um, Harassment. That didn't and... go well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lillian. She let me. I did interview Lillian. You did. No, I? I did. Even, yeah. That's even on um, on YouTube on on the YouTubes because mm. you videoed it, didn't you? Oh yeah. Probably by accident, but anyway, yeah. Well, I don't know how you can interview somebody by video by accident. I just didn't turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, suffice to say, you've got a one in two chance, if you ask an Archer's actor, for them to say yes. So it's not a bad strike rate. You don't know how many I've asked. We've asked all of them, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite true, not quite true, but I but I will freely admit getting getting Charles was I did feel a coup. like right. Huh? huh? A coup. Anyway, why don't you read out those emails? Yeah. Uh this is the first one is from Enid Bishton, who says, Dear Royfield, I'm afraid I'm not great in the technology world. Have only recently discovered this glorious site. What fun. Wish we could have a forum in the southeast. I heard Angela say that she lives in Brighton. Well, I live just a few miles away. If I have to identify with anyone, I have to say it would be Grace Archer. I can remember vividly the episode where she died in the fire. Yes, I am that old. I have listened all my life with a break when at college without a wireless. Sorry, radio. No, we like wireless, Enid. Carry on with the good work. Regards, Enid Bishton. Um, We need to get uh, Enid. You need to go on track. Is Tractor still working, William? Um, William Royfield. William, no. It's not working. Oh no! GDPR put an end to that. The oh, European Union. Bum. 
Well, yes, I'm now a lever, clearly. Anyway, um, I think uh, people need to get... Um, if So Ian is near Brighton. If other people are near Brighton, can they make themselves known to us? Uh, and we can put you in touch with Enid and you can have a get-together because I think Enid would like that. Uh, Enid, if you don't like that, the last thing you want to do is have a get-together. So the people then, for God's sake, email us and I'll stop saying that. Um, Emma Cracknell, next. Emma from Hitchin, who said, Hello, the gang. I am just listening to this week's Omnibus and I am struck by the amazing relationship between Jill and Leonard. Leonard is perfect for Jill in so many ways. He keeps her grounded and provides a level of compassion she sometimes lacks, especially in this scene this week with Jazza talking about Jim missing his shift at the shop. But the brilliant thing about Leonard is that he's always trying to build Jill up and make her feel as special as he thinks she is. And it doesn't stop with his girlfriend. Leonard is there for all of Jill's family, too. And he goes out of his way to make sure they all feel liked and respected while still addressing the hereditary archer hubris pride. Leonard reminds me of my own granddad's long-term girlfriend, Jean, who sadly passed away yesterday. Jean was as integral to our family as Leonard is becoming to the archer clan. And listening to this week's touching scene between the pair made me tear up more than anything else in the last 24 hours. Thank you for listening to me. My partner is out of town on business, so I've got nobody to share my grief with. Keep up the good work with the podcast. Thanks for bringing some light into the darkness. Love and things, Emma from Hitchin. P.S. I don't know if Jean listened to The Archers, but she was always happy to let me prattle on about it and listened attentively. Poor Jean and poor you, Emma. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm sorry that you're having to deal with it all on your own. I hope your partner's back now. Well, I love that. A lovely uh, email. Yeah. And, and again, I just love it when people um, take what's happening in the archers and they can see parallels in, in their own yeah. life and stuff. And it was kind of a lovely little tribute to your granddad's girlfriend. Yeah. When people ask me, as they often do, how did you come up with the idea of Dundee Dumroyfield? And I go, it's because of the hashtag the archers on the Twitters. I loved it. I was an integral part of it. And then I met Lucy B. Freeman. And Dumpty Dum was born. So Twitter is our spiritual home. So if you want to go onto Twitter, why don't you tweet away at Dumpty Dum? I can be found at Royfield and Lucy can be found at? At Lucy V. Freeman. And of course, if you want some more social media goings on, there is, of course, Facebook. Simply type in Dumpty Dum again. And as I said earlier on, we have our own app. So look at the show notes. There's a special link for that. Go and sign up. And join Auntie Jean and the gang who are talking away about all things Ambridge there. Uh, Luce. Yes. It's lovely to be back talking to you. I know. It's all been a bit um, a bit choppy and changey, hasn't it? But thank you so much to Andrew and Robert and um, uh, Angela. And um, there was, was there someone else along the way. I can't remember. But anyway, thank you to everybody who um, who stepped into the breach. It is most mm-hmm. appreciated. You're very kind. No, folks, don't forget, you can actually buy tickets for Dum Dee Dum Live and the Dum Dum Awards, which will be happening in Birmingham at Birmingham Town Hall on November the 9th, which is Angela Barnes's birthday. 
Those tickets are on sale now. Quite simply go on to Birmingham Town Hall website or just Google Dumpty Dum Live, you know, like Google it and uh, you'll end up at that page. However, if you can't be fussed to do that, go on to dumdydum.com and there'll be a link for it somewhere. So scoot around for that, click on it, get your credit card out, out your wallet or out your purse, get buying those tickets because it's going to be awesome. Right then, I've got things I need to do. Right, I think that's me definitely spent. Is there anything you want to say to listeners before we sign off? No, thank you. But have a lovely week. That's it. <laughs> Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.